Hey y'all, this is Byron. I uh, just want to put something out there. Yes, I am a mental health therapist. And yes, my couch is quite comfortable. However, if you're listening to this podcast, it is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a certified or licensed mental health therapist. So though I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to me and hopefully gain some information and insight about what's going on with you from listening to this podcast, Take the time to seek out mental health resources in your area if you so need to. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. child to be born, see through a woman's eyes, took for these natural twins, to believe in miracles, took me too long for this song, I don't deserve you, I harass you out in Paris, please come back to Rome, you make it home, we talked for hours when you were on tour, please pick up the phone, pick up the phone, I said don't embarrass me instead of be mine, that was my proposal for us to go steady, that was your 21st birthday, you matured faster than me, I wasn't ready. So I apologize, I seen the innocence, leave your eyes, I still mourn this death and I apologize for all the stillborns, cause I wasn't present, your body wouldn't accept it I apologize to all the women whom I toyed with your emotion, cause I was emotionless And I apologize, cause at your best, you would love And because I fall short of what I say I'm all about Your eyes leave with the soul that your body once housed and you stare blankly in the space, thinking of all the time you wasted it on all this basic shit, so I apologize. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Captain's Couch. I'm your host, Byron Taylor. Thank you so much, guys, for coming back and checking out the show again this week. Uh, we are back on our regular schedule. We're back trying to get these episodes out weekly. Um, I don't really foresee taking a break. Um, for New Year's, I'll probably end up recording before, or actually probably while I'm on vacation. Uh, if not, then I'll try to get something out before I go on vacation. Um, but I don't really foresee taking a break, um, probably before the end of the year or maybe towards, I don't know, maybe not for the next few weeks, but we should be here. We're back in the groove. We're back, uh, once again this week with another episode. Um, this is an interesting one for me to kind of discuss. Um, and I've been kind of trying to figure out exactly how I wanted to, to word what I wanted to come across. Uh, and how I wanted it to come across today without necessarily sounding really preachy or judgmental. Um, but we'll get into the topic at hand. 
um, in just a second. Um, thank you so much for the feedback, guys, that I got uh, over the internet. Um, shout out to the homie Quan for the tweet that he sent me this morning. Uh, hey, man, keep pushing, dog. We got you, dog, okay? Man, mad love to you and everything. Um, I know times get hard, but, you know, keeping the faith and keep pushing forward is, is how we get by. Um, shout out to family members that uh, talk with me over Thanksgiving. Um, enjoying listening to the podcast and giving me good, positive feedback. Um, shout out to anybody who's listened to the podcast that has um, felt like they've gotten some positive you know, um, vibe from it or, you know, that little extra push that you needed to go out and start engaging in therapy, um, or checking in and working on your mental health. Um, that means a lot. And that's, that's the, 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 the purpose and the reason for doing this, this podcast more than anything is the purpose and the reason why I do my job in general is in an effort to try to help those who either want help or, or getting help and, seeking out help or those who have an idea of wanting to try to get help but don't really know or are kind of tied up in all the stigma behind mental illness and aren't sure about giving it a shot so i appreciate it the positive love and feedback that i get from from everybody who listens to the show or takes things in and decides to go on their own mental health journey however we didn't get any five-star reviews this week, and I'm not too upset about that. We got two last week, so we're going to let y'all off the hook with a, with a sad song today. But if I don't get it next week, you will hear some sad stuff from Alexa. Stop listening. I would like to begin this week's discussion with a passage from a friend of mine um, who I will cite in just a second. Um, it reads... In a world that caters to a very narrow version of manhood, most men have, haven't ever had the privilege of expressing the fullness of their full humanity. Some of them have been taught tenderness, and their evolution has been cultivated. Some of them need love, and some need a lesson. There are times the lessons come in leaving him, and times you show him love by challenging him. It is exhausting. And many times, not even worth it. But that is the burden patriarchy has placed on lovers of men. To truly love a man, you must decide whether you came to teach or to nurture. And that is my friend Alcinia. Uh, shout out to her. And this is from her Instagram account, account uh, City Just Writes, on the gram. Um, so today's topic, we're going to talk about emotional labor. And... The amount of mo emotional labor that is often tasked on black women, or as Asenia wrote, lovers of men, or the emotional labor that men need to actually take up. So when we talk about emotional labor, first thing, let's let's open up the discussion with exactly what that is. Right. So emotional labor in and of itself is the work required to manage your feelings and the way you express them in varying aspects of your life. Um, this article here that I have is not necessarily geared to black people in general, this first article here, um, but this is from the outline is saying that emotional labor is a lot of work, which it is. So um, we talked about emotional intelligence before in the show, uh, where emotional intelligence is um, your ability to learn how to grow and manage yourself and um, your behaviors and your feelings in different and four different key aspects, which was um, I have to remember this. Uh, hang on. Let me try to grab it again. So emotional intelligence is the ability to identify your emotions, both within yourself and other people to recognize uh, the powerful effects of those emotions and to use them. Uh, use that information to inform and guide your behavior. So we look at its self-management, um, social management, um, and then being able to recognize uh, self-management, social awareness, uh, self-awareness, um, and then being able to learn how to recognize and manage your own behavior over time. So when we look at emotional labor, um, emotional labor sounds like a really daunting thing because we think of labor and we think of hard work. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a thing. Um, as the article says here, um, 
I pointed things out to my husband and our first ever discussion about the concept of emotional labor. My husband initially thought that doing emotional labor was a bad thing. He said it sounded like something you don't want to you don't want to go through like childbirth or hard labor. Um, so the thing about emotional labor and the thing like Alcinia uh, wrote um, is that we as men have because of the way patriarchy is structured, where especially as a young man myself growing up in the 90s, the ver- the, ver- the idea of what manhood meant was very hyper-masculine, very narrow um, idea of what it was to be a man. So for a lot of us, a lot of men growing up, we have not been able to express the, have the opportunities to express feelings of things like grief, of trauma, of, you know, weakness, whether that be in the form of dealing with and managing our mental health or, you know, showing sadness or like actual genuine sadness and not like sadness through anger, but actually expressing feelings of disappointment, embarrassment, um, frustration that doesn't show in the form of anger. But society and patriarchy as a whole has kind of rewarded and validated men's anger and narrowed down the idea that a man can express himself through crying or through verbal expression of frustration or sadness or disappointment or loss or grief or any of those things um as a as a therapist working with kids especially with my younger boys one of the things that i constantly express is that as a young man you have to learn how to find other ways to express how you feel and what you want from people than through sheer force and anger and manipulating manipulating their emotions through fear um whether that be constantly demanding of people in your home to do stuff for you when you refuse to reciprocate or even comply with simple things in your home, Um, whether you're repeating um, abusive behavior that your father figures display to you or to your mother or other people in your home and having to learn how to not replicate those behaviors. are some of the things that I've I've had to work with some of my kids on and had to kind of task my kids on relearning uh, and recognizing what things may have contributed to the abusive behavior that their father figure was displaying, um, what effects that that behavior had on them themselves, and is that the type of behavior that they want to replicate over time? Uh, so a study here um, in this article pointed out that a 2010 study published by the Journal of uh, Marriage and Family on the Division of Household Labor and Emotional Work and Partnerships between Cisgendered Women and Transgendered Men. Um, the distribution largely fell along traditional gender lines with cisgendered women taking on more emotional labor than transgendered men. So even a trans man who switches um the paradigm the gender paradigm from female to male still will take on less actual labor than a cisgender woman who is still seen in the traditional gender roles as the person who's going to do the majority of the work and the labor over time um the study found that the most gender-based category of household labor was cooking related Cisgender women were found to do the majority of the feminine stereotype housework, such as washing the dishes, dusting, doing the laundry, um, telephone correspondences, child care, pet care, house care assistance. Um, 80% of cisgender women reported assisting with transition-related care, including which, which included anything from making and attending doctor's appointments, uh, monitoring, monitoring surgical tubes to negotiating with insurance providers and planning parties um, to mark their partner's transition. Um, and this is for people that are uh, for tra- for the transgendered uh, men and their lovers. That part is the the bulk of the tra- of the work uh, as far as the household work and preparing for parties and stuff like that, and even managing the care of 
the partner transitioning fell on their partner who cared for them. Um, so an interesting thing about this, when it comes to the household chores and stuff like that, um, I think I remember having a conversation when, when I, uh, was going through my divorce and getting ready to get, uh, divorced of, you know, well, who's like, how are you managing and taking care of your house? It was like, well, I am like, you know, um, I, this is stuff I learned how to do. Like, and I count myself fortunate. I count myself fortunate that, um, not so much fortunate, but I guess I should count myself, count myself as blessed more than anything that I learned how to do things such as household labor that my mom taught me at a young age, how to wash the dishes, how to do my laundry that my dad over time became more and more interested in cooking and I learned how to normalize that a man can cook in his home. Um, you know, uh, mom taught me how to wash my own clothes when I was a teenager so that I would be able to do it on my own, which came in handy when I got to college. Um, so those things set me up to be able to manage the house a little bit better when my ex-wife got sick. Um, and I can only imagine the amount of uh, kind of dire straits we might have been in had I not had those skills. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a thing where I think Rod, I think the Rod of the Black Eyed Tip said this before that in a lot of homes that there are situations where if the man cannot figure it out, then the house is in trouble. Um, because one thing that patriarchy has kind of tasked men with, and not even so much for our own good, because I can count and reference the litany of situations especially on the internet where men are absolutely dead wrong in a situation and they continue to keep talking as if they know what they're talking about when they're absolutely dead wrong um so the idea that if the man can't figure it out that we're all in trouble um that's something that i'll hit on later on when we get we get further on into the discussion today um so uh, Carla Pfeiffer, who is the study's author, um, stated that uh, people are often surprised to learn that the gender division of emotional labor in heterosexual partnerships also occurs in many cisgender, les lesbian, and gay relationships and transgender partnerships as well. Um, she says, quote, in essence, people fail to consider that a same-sex relationship is not the same thing as a same-gender relationship. Um, in other words, two partners of the same sex may enact their gender in very distinct ways from one another on a daily basis. In fact, a key component of being recognized in the world as a man or a woman relies on our conformity and performance of those gendered labors. So emotional work is vital, but the thing that is a difficult struggle is that patriarchy has often stacked the deck against women especially black women um, and has tasked them with the job of household labor, emotional labor, and even physical labor for themselves to bring in money into their homes. And you know, this is something that I know Rod talks about this a lot in a lot of the books that he reads, um, but this is something that we've seen pretty much since slavery in, in black families where um, black women were tasked with the emotional labor of the family um, with the household labor of the family whenever we had some kind of space to ourselves, um, with household labor of the white family who had them and the physical labor that went on with that as well. Um, so the author of the article uh, can talk, continues to talk about how frustrated she is um, whenever she talks about her relationship with her husband. She says, I wonder what my relationship with my husband would be like if I had understood what emotional labor was when we first got together. Um, I was left feeling frustrated, but it was hard to define exactly what irked me uh, beyond isolated arguments and having to do the most of the household chores. I found myself fantasizing about only having to deal with myself, just my wants, my needs, and my emotions. Um, she says that the concept didn't click with her until she read an article entitled Women Aren't Nags. We're just fed up uh, at Harper's, Harper's Bazaar. Um, 
she said this passage resonated with me having a conversation about the imbalance of emotional labor becomes emotional labor it gets to a point where i have to weigh the benefits of getting my husband to understand my frustration against the compounded emotional labor of doing so in a way that doesn't end up in us fighting um i've been down this road before and of course you know i've been married and uh, a lot of the struggle i'm not really even gonna get, get into it um there was a lot of emotional labor and an imbalance in the emotional labor involved in my relationship um but i at least in my estimation i believe actually it was on the opposite end where i believe i was doing the majority of the emotional labor and my ex-wife didn't necessarily see it that way so it caused more issues but where i'm at now i understand more and more and the funny thing is like when it comes to emotional labor in relationships um one thing that i made it a point of doing and it's something that i'll reference again in this episode is going to therapy um in order to do the emotional labor that I needed in order to prepare for my next relationship instead of doing the rebound thing and, you know, possibly hurting someone else's feelings because I was emotionally kind of going through and invulnerable and not really ready to move forward yet. All right. So the author continues saying that it is important to recognize that emotional labor is not just restricted to romantic relationships. Some people participate in more emotional labor, labor in a daily basis than others. People of color and transgender people perform and, inordinate amount of emotional labor navigating the world in general having to deal with both racism and concealing their feelings of anger and frustration in order to fit in the workplace norms and maintain social relationships this extra work can lead to stress and isolation um, ada harvey winfield who is a sociology professor at washington university um, in st louis cited that uh, when it came to black professionals, emotional labor can be contributed, can contribute to a sense of alienation and isolation in predominantly white settings. Um, she speculates that adverse consequences uh, emotional labor places on black people, uh, heightened stress, isolation can spill over into and impact their personal lives. So um, now work relationships could be a source of emotional authenticity providing black workers with a quote-unquote safe space where they can express genuine feelings without the need to sanction or conceal them for the sake of occupational advances. However, for other people, and I think even we'll talk about this more, um, yeah, we'll talk about this as we transition to this next article um, and talk about the uh, clip that we started the show with. So, the amount of emotional labor that black women have to take on, whether that be in the workplace, whether that be in our relationships, is extremely high. And, you know, I, I've been in a situation where I've been able to meet so many wonderful black women who have been kind and generous to me and been friends with me and helped me kind of process everything that happened to me in the past couple of years and help help add on to the normalization of realize realization of how unbalanced the situation was and helped me eventually know that it was time to move forward but i also am fortunate to have these people because they've also not directly for me but listening to them more and more helped teach me ways that we as black men do not participate well in the emotional labor that we should be taking on um one thing i definitely one incident that i can highlight um is the as it's thanksgiving the uh the elon james white uh thanksgiving debacle of uh 2016 i think it was um but the idea that he would he touted the black women around him for basically doing the emotional labor that he should have been doing with his marriage and his relationship for helping him kind of get through it. Um, it was a terrible look. Um, terrible look. Um, that essentially, instead of talking with his in-laws and his wife about his issues that he had going on in his marriage, it basically tasked the black women around him to do it for him and then basically patted them on the back for their efforts 
which in hindsight probably was absolutely not the best thing to do. Um, So this article from Black Youth Project uh, entitled, Black Women Are Not Cocoons. I'm tired of being expected to mother black men and applaud them when they finally grow up. So the the clip at the beginning of the show is the song 444 by Jay-Z. And I am old enough to remember when Big Pepe came out, when Jay-Z said that, uh, yeah, he would not give, him giving his heart to a woman, nope, never happened, he will be forever macking. And lo and behold, we look up and Beyonce stole that man's heart. But he still had a lot of growing up to do which we understood and found out through the course of Lemonade, just how much work he had to do and how much work he needed to do, how hurt and devastated and angry Beyonce was, um, and what it took to have her forgive him and then be able to continue to move forward with their marriage. Well, 444 is kind of the Jay-Z's addendum to um, Lemonade and the, you know, the, the elevator incident with Solange and his infidelity. So, the Psalm 444 is an interesting take on where he finally has come to the realization of the amount of emotional work that he needed to be doing. Um, that, you know, he apologizes for all the harm that he did to the women that came before Beyonce, all the harm that he did to her in particular for the miscarriages for um you know, cheating for losing his way for almost breaking up the home and everything. Um, he apologizes for the stress that he put her under, you know, that ultimately led, ultimately led her to miscarriage. And, and the crazy take is that he, he talks about how it took Blue Ivy being born and then the twins coming around for him to really grasp the, the understanding of the amount of work that he needed to do on himself. Um, so. Uh, the album 444 is quite grown up. Um, of course, he had the Grammy nominations, but you know, sadly, it didn't didn't work out for Jay. Uh, so 444, in many ways, is Jay's heartfelt response to Beyonce's raw, no holds barred visual album Lemonade, as he admitted in an interview with uh, Dean Bank- Banquet that the album uh, the album was his own kind of therapy. Uh, because actual therapy and sp- spiritual awakeness and the magic and stardust that is black women's love. Um, so Jay actually going to therapy, um, you know, realigning with his faith and the magic and stardust of a black woman's love and Beyonce being a nurturer that Alcindia was talking about um, and also teaching that lesson of I will leave you if you do not get yourself together. Uh kind of helped spur Jay actually forward to do the emotional work that he needed to do to get through the trauma that he needed to get through. Um, so the article cites this is like, there are lessons here. Um, the lessons here, um, especially when it comes to doing the emotional work, and this is important. So listen up, fellas. Like, this is why it's really important and listening to 444 and listening to Jay talk about the emotional work that he went through and did through therapy, through couples therapy, through individual therapy, um, and the amount of effort it has taken for him to reclaim his family where he was on the brink of losing everything. So here are some lessons to be learned in the situation. Therapy can help black men uncover a lot of, I'm going to, I'm going to quote this, quote this because I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll get to actually cuss. Um, Therapy can help black men uncover a lot of shit that is being held back. And this is absolutely true. This is something that I see with all of my kids. Um, with one of my kids in particular that I like to joke about that's my criminal kid. Talking with him is uncovering the amount of trauma that this kid has experienced. And the amount of trauma that he has held onto. And he's just navigating life in the, in the only few ways that he's really learned how to do and knows how to do. Even though they're not healthy. Um, hurt people hurt people. Um, for myself, this is one of the reasons why I took time to not date. This is why I also decided I wanted to go to therapy, um, before I really started trying to date seriously again, because I wasn't sure if I was in the right emotional or mental space 
to start dating. And I also wanted the validation of knowing that I made the right decision by seeking the divorce. Um, most black men who react to minuscule transactions with violence are actually afraid of being seen and afraid of being vulnerable. Um, this is one thing that I've figured out and for myself is that um, I'm good at being vulnerable, but I also have the knack of wanting to try to fix things instead of really just listening. Um, that's one of those things that, you know, as a black man, that you're always kind of tasked of being the man who fixes things, but some things don't need a fix. Sometimes a woman in your life doesn't a isn't asking you to fix what you did, but just listen to what she's saying. Um, that's a lesson that I'm still learning and I'm doing trying to do a better job of in this relationship of not wanting to try to fix things if like I feel like I'm disappointing her or if it's something that I want to do but can't do. But instead of listening, instead, I'm trying to listen more. Um, being invulnerable and shutting down their emotions makes truly connecting with people uh, black men care to claim, I mean, uh, claim to love impossible. Um, and this is something that I've seen in therapy and I've talked about a few times with my kids in therapy of especially my ones who do tend to shut down. And I've seen this a few different times with my kids um, of emotionally shutting down and not really connecting or engaging or expressing what they're feeling. Um, when you do that, you are cutting off the ability for people who you love and care about to really connect with you. Um, developing emotional intelligence can make black men's lives better and easier, which we've talked about emotional intelligence before on the show. Um, the strongest thing a man can do is cry to expose your feelings, to be vulnerable in front of the world. That's real strength. You know, you feel like you got to be this guarded person. That's not real. That's fake. I think Jay-Z actually said that. Um, the hardest thing is seeing pain on someone's face, someone else's face that you cause and that you have to deal with yourself. Um, so those last two things are actually were Jay-Z's quotes. Um, I will never forget the first time I saw my dad cry. And how just taken aback I was by how shocked I was by seeing him cry. Um, I'm a lot more used to it now because uh, he's yeah my my dad's a, my dad's a tinderbox. I love that man, um, and he's done a lot of emotional labor in, in his lifetime of being more open and you know discussing more and expressing more um his love and adoration for me and my brothers for his grandchildren um for even some of my cousins um who look at him like a father figure um dad's done an incredible amount of emotional labor himself um to learn how to open up more and to express himself more and i think part of that comes through with him um reassuring his faith in christ and uh developing more in ministry and you know just being the you know the uh the 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 gift of wisdom and being able to grow older um and knowing what's in being able to recognize what's been important and family is one thing that's humongously important to my dad um so the the writer uh is says this while i wanted to feel good about jay-z's process of maturation and his growth as a human being i can't help but roll my eyes as i watch this interview um the author, who obviously is a woman whose name is uh, Josie Pickens, um, she goes on to say, and it's something that I definitely have seen um, on the Internet when we talk about um, the maturation and growth of men. Um, she says, quote, I'm so fucking tired of being tasked with applauding black men for finally growing up way too late. And seemingly every day of time at the ex expense of black women's minds, bodies, and souls. Um, she says, to be clear, my hard eye roll wasn't necessarily directed at Jay-Z. His infidelity and his obvious mental and emotional abuse of his wife. Or his ability to finally halt his abusive behaviors to create a better life for himself and his family. Props to him. Actually, kudos to Beyonce, really. Um, for being willing to forgive instead of leaving him in the dust. Um, because obviously, yeah, you know, Jay 
I mean, Beyonce definitely could have left Jay if she she really wanted to. Um, and that's that's also the thing that uh, Asenia cited in her in her poem is, are you are you willing to stay and do the work no matter you know because it's going to be tiring? Are you willing to stay? Or are you going to teach this man a lesson by leaving? Or are you going to be willing to stay and be the nurturer that he kind of needs, even though it's a lot of work on you? Um. Miss Pickens writes and says, I'm tired of black women being expected to be the cocoon, to be the second womb to black men who are way too often, who way too often are not able to reciprocate the same nurturing and care. Um, um, she goes on to say, it's not because Beyonce's experience with betrayal and infidelity mirror my own and those of almost every single woman I know. Rather, it's because loving black men through the inner pain and abusive behavior is not only an expectation of black men, but an emotional labor that is rarely ever acknowledged, let alone appreciated. So, fellas, um, the title of this episode is The Emotional Labor Has to Start With You. And it absolutely does. If you are in a relationship and you are finding yourself constantly, you know, whenever your 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 partner addresses a feeling or an issue that she wants to talk about and you're finding yourself getting upset by that that's emotional work that you need to be doing she's not saying that and i think it's it's not in this article but it's another article i found um the idea that our partner is expressing something that is bothering them or something that they're wanting to talk about or have addressed in a relationship is not as a means to do so to make us as men feel bad or our egos, or to hurt our egos. It is to try to get you to help with the work that needs to be done in order to address the issue. Um, uh, Ms. Pickens goes on to close out the article saying, uh, I imagine a world where black men don't use black women's obvious, steadfast, and unyielding love for them as a reason to be irreplaceable, I mean irresponsible, with those same black women's hearts, minds, and bodies. A world where black men own their toxic masculinity that not only damages the people that they love, but also damages them so deeply that they have to make the songs cry. Um, and that's one thing Jay talked about was working out through therapy and working through the trauma that he had in his life. And, you know, being able to get to a position where he was even able to, you know, talk to his mom as his mom came out to him um about her uh her lesbian relationship um you know that his mom was finally able to be in a place where she could talk with her son about you know who she truly was um a world where therapy and counseling doesn't come to black men as a compromise that is part of mediation agreement that will hopefully help them avoid losing everything that they love and value in life um, and this is one thing that I talk with my kids about all the time. And like when she talks about a mediating mediation agreement, of course, I work with kids, so that's not necessarily a thing. But I work with kids who often find themselves getting in trouble, either in schools or placed in the hospital uh, for a short term period of time or going to long term care and then eventually trickling down back to my services. Um, and one thing I constantly stress with my kids is that. The idea that you have met me and that you are coming to me in therapy is not a means of punishment. I'm a means to help and I'm a means to foster change that you're struggling coming together with finding for yourself. Um, I'm here to kind of give you tools and tips and some guidance to help you move forward however you feel like you need to move forward. But I'm not here to punish you. I'm not here as a punishment either. Um, is the thing that I always stress to my kids. Um, a world where people work to become whole and healthy in relationships um, with other people so that the cycle of pain and violence can be ushered out of black rela love relationships and thus black communities. I believe such a world is possible and we can begin to build such a world by not expect expecting black women to bound themselves to trauma and pain so that men can feel free, can, can become more free. And now I'm not a black woman and I have been in a relationship that was not exactly healthy. And I will say this, I don't want to go through that again. 
Um, I do not want to go through that again. Um, and the funny thing is like part of part of the reason why I went to therapy is because I wanted to try to avoid that from happening again and finding myself in that same position again. Um, so when the girlfriend met the family, um, something that my brother said to her that still stands out in my mind is that I'm glad that you're making my brother happy. And I was like, well, hang on. I did some work here too, man. You know, it's not just her. I'm in a better place. Um, and it's and it's not to diss what my brother was saying because my girlfriend does make me very happy. Um, she, she does make me very happy. But I also, um, as my, uh, my dear friend, uh, another one of my friends, um, shout out to Ariane. Hey, friend. So Nate posted a meme earlier today that says, uh, stop looking to be with someone who makes you happy. Be or become someone who is happy. Then find someone who adds to it. And as a therapist, and after going through what I went through and coming out on the other side of it and where I'm at now, that is something that I have stressed to my uh, my kids on uh, working to do is work to grow and find your own happiness in life especially my older kids who are who are trying to date you know like work to grow to find your own happiness and work through your emotional baggage and work through the things that make you unhappy and then as you are growing more and more to be more of a full happy person find somebody who multiplies your happiness even more so who brings in their own share of happiness that allows y'all to cultivate your happiness together and grow it more and I feel like that's where I'm at right now, and it feels really, 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 really good, and that took emotional labor from me, and also it took finding someone who was also doing emotional labor for herself, that as a, as a younger man and in a younger time, um, the amount of emotional labor that I think myself and my ex-wife needed to do was extremely large that I don't think either one of us really knew. Um, I think at that point it was trauma bonding that was going on that brought us together, but the emotional labor and work that needed to be done to make the marriage healthy and, um, you know, functional over time never really transpired. Um, that's a fault on both of our parts. I'm not just going to lay all the blame on her. That was a fault on both of our parts that we didn't really do in it, do the work as we were together and a lot of it really came towards where a lot of damage had already been done and um by the time that we had both recognized that there was a lot of emotional labor that needed to be done in the relationship things were already to the point where it was almost irreparable at that point um but let's finish off the session today with this um Four ways black men can take on more emotional labor in relationships and why we should. This is by Philippe Leonard Fred from the website thebodyisnotanapology.com. So here are some reasons why we need to take on more emotional labor. There are many reasons why men might not feel capable or responsible for accepting this responsibility, although much of it likely revolves around the desire or necessity men feel for not facing their emotions and not being vulnerable. Um, I'm definitely going to do an episode about vulnerability and I might do it next week. Um, when men would like to admit it or not, it is inherently important for any person in any relationship to understand the give and takes of emotional labor and why it needs to be equal between partners. Here's four ways men can fair with uh can be more fair with the emotional labor number one understand that the labor is necessary a relationship without some aspect of emotional labor can't be a healthy relationship it would be more along the lines of abusive if a man in a relationship if you're a man in a relationship and you often have emotional outbursts of anger for example it's up to your partner to try to regulate the situation, which can be extremely exhausting, um, especially if it's a common occurrence. It is pertinent for men to understand that their partners can't be held responsible for their own emotions all the time. 
Um, it's up to men to learn how to regulate and work on their own emotional issues first and foremost. Number two, listen. I mean, learn to listen instead of having an answer for everything. So this is the thing where Rod talks about that if the black man does it for a lot of relationships, that if the man in the house does not have the answer to something, that it's like everybody's screwed because men are always constantly tasked with knowing, supposedly knowing everything. Um, and it's something that you notice on the internet. Like I said, I noticed on, you notice on the internet, like the idea that like T.I. talking about the whole thing with his daughter and her hymen and all that stuff, which is absolutely ridiculous of a conversation. Um, dude literally is not knowing, does not know what he's talking about, but yet he's constantly talking and people will listen to his words and feel like his words carry weight because he's a man. Unfortunately, even though he makes absolutely no sense in what he's saying. Um, hang on, let me move this cat off my clothes. We're retiring from the cat break. Um, it is important for the emotional labor that you put into your relationships as well as the emotional la labor your partner puts into it. A lot of emotional labor that women put into relationships with men has to do with making sure they don't blow up or get, or get upset. Much of that comes from men, especially cisgendered men, uh, cisgender straight men, thinking that they only uh, that they only they think only they understand their own situation. And instead of actually seeking help or guidance, they would rather hear what they want to hear. Men need to learn that anything their partner says doesn't that doesn't sound inherently positive is not an attack on their ego. Um, and hell, that's the lesson that I had to learn. Um, it is usually meant to express their point of view on whatever situation both are in or whatever problem has come on with them between the two of them. Um, you have to learn to listen, regulate your emotional response, allowing an actual conversation to take place as opposed to a forced therapy session. Um, number three. Take responsibility for your emotions and your actions. Um, and that's the thing that, that Jay-Z finally got to the point of being able to do. And we hear that throughout 444, um, the song and the album. Um, similar to the first point, it is necessary for men to learn how to take on their own emotions head on and understand why they are having overbearing or violent emotional outbursts. It's not just part of quote unquote being a man. It's not. It is... And as a therapist, especially working with my young boys, um, teaching them that the emotional outbursts and stuff that they take on and that they do is not what it means to be a man. It is not the only facet of being a man. And honestly, it is very toxic behavior and abusive behavior. And of course, I'm talking to young boys and I'm teaching them at a young age that the abuse, that the behavior that they're engaging in is abusive, whether they have seen it or they are themselves actually acting in that way. Um, men have to learn to take this responsibility for how their emotions come out in their relationships and look at how they manage them. This typically means taking the time to come to terms with the fact that as a man, you are typically not challenged on your negative emotional output in positive and productive ways. There are fewer stigmas than, I mean, there are fewer stigmas against cisgendered straight men being angry or overly emotional than there are for women, trans people, or gender nonconforming people. Um, because of the lack of challenging or the lack of stigma, it is up to men to question themselves and be more reflexive with how their emotions affect others, becoming more sensitive to others' emotions in the process, which is a part of emotional intelligence, and allowing emotional labor to become an easier process. And number four, yes, we're definitely going to talk about this next week. Um, learn how to be comfortable with being vulnerable. One of the hardest parts of emotional labor for men is the unwillingness to be vulnerable for and with their emotions. Part of the reflexivity that is necessary for emotional labor to take place is the ability to be vulnerable. Um, Actually, achieving vulnerability is hard for a lot of men because it goes against the norm of what is 
seen to be, quote unquote, a man. Uh, when it comes down to it, basically this, you either have to come to terms with your emotions and the stress you put you put on others by not participating in emotional labor or continue to act cold and invulnerable while your relationships continue to suffer for it. So that's where we're going to leave it at today. You have to come to terms with the idea of actually engaging in the emotional labor that is needed for your relationships to thrive and grow. Uh, being comfortable with the fact and the idea that you need to come to terms with the ability to be emotionally vulnerable and gain emotional intelligence in order for your relationships and for yourself to thrive and grow. Or you can continue to be cold and heartless and, you know, be forever macking, like Jay said, a big pimping, you know, and, you know, maybe just maybe you find a woman, a black woman who comes into your life who does try to be a nurturer for you and you end up doing the same thing that Jay-Z did and almost destroying it. So the choice is yours. What are you going to decide? If you're going to decide to work on being vulnerable, then come back next week and we'll talk about the concept of vulnerability and what it means. Okay. Sounds like a good idea. Cool. Thumbs up. Shrug. I don't know. Oh, well, we'll find out next week. See what you decide. Anyways, thank you so much for coming back to the captain's couch. Oh, I forgot to mention um, the Bucks won again today. Um, so, yeah, we have somehow not been mathematically eliminated from the playoff picture. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, we are currently sitting five and seven um, and somehow not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So, yeah, there we go. We beat the Jaguars today um, pretty, pretty handily. Um, Garner Minshew came in in the second half and tried to make it a little bit of a game for the Jags, but they were already down by like 25. So, Bucks won. Um, 28 to 11, I believe. So, yeah, go Bucks. I'm happy. Two games in a row. So, we play the Colts next week at home at Raymond James. Um, we still have a shot to finish 9 to 7. I seriously doubt that we'll make the playoffs unless um, I think Minnesota has to, like, just collapse. Um, Seattle can get one of the wild card bursts, and we can sneak in at 9 to 7 if Minnesota collapses. But I ain't holding my breath. So, anyway. That being said, thank you so much for listening to the Captain's Couch. Uh, leave feedback. Drop five-star reviews for your boy so I don't have to play sad music next week. Um, leave me feedback on the social medias um, at the Captain's Couch at Captain underscore Ingenuity on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show page on Facebook. And we will check back with you guys next week. Peace. and. May the force be with you. Congregation, would you turn your text to the book about cast? Chapter 2, verse 1. The first one to feel me. Jump up and make a jumbo noise. You thought cast it. Meaning, now you have a choice like that. Don't